0: No Challenges from Raining. I'm Ben Rothenberg, joined by Timani Carriol, and CR's Spain and Sub-Saharan Africa correspondent. Timani, hello again. Happy to have you back, as always, and we are here on the occasion that is both a little bit, I don't think surprising is the appropriate word, but timing, I didn't expect to wake up to this this news this morning, uh, and did, that Sarita Williams has formally announced her retirement it's it's a little bit fuzzier than that. She didn't draw a direct finish line, but you can pretty much read into what she's saying. And it seems very clear that the U.S. Open is planned to be her last tournament. Anything beyond that would be a big surprise based on her current framing Uh, in a cover story for the September issue of Vogue magazine, in very much keeping with current Serena, uh, media strategies and prevalence and prominence and things like that. Yeah, it's funny. I just start with your initial reaction to this news. Obviously, you and I have both followed Serena for decades what is your reaction and your feelings about this this news and the sort of finality what to what has been a up until now you know never-ending career
1: yeah the the actual news I think you'd you'd agree it's not surprising it's not shocking it's if we were talking about Serena a few months ago was I wasn't sure that she was going to come back to the sport at all so it yeah I'm, I'm not surprised that um yeah I I actually had for a few months now I've, I've had Serena on push notifications on 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 Instagram <laughs> um, in in anticipation an, and anticipation of um you know that this at some point there's going to be a big announcement like this and so it was just funny you know when I, I checked my phone I was, I'm, I, so I, was up, I was working at the Commonwealth Games the last couple of weeks in Birmingham and I was on my, on the bus back home I checked my phone and you could just see, like, the Vogue, you know, like, the kind of thumbnail, <laughs> and I was like, here we are, yeah. <laughs> we're here. Even before I, like, clicked on it, you know, so it wasn't, it's not surprising. Um, I, as you said, like, it was interesting, because the, the actual article was detailed in in, in places that I, I didn't expect, I didn't expect her, for for example, to go into such detail about Margaret Court, mm-hmm. um, and it was, so it was very deep detailed in in some ways but then as you said vague on she didn't actually like explicitly say this is you know the US Open is the end this is my final tournament done this is what we we assume and it seems actually that the tweet that introduced the article was actually more you know she said I'm going to enjoy these last few weeks but it seems to be the end
0: yeah, yeah, you're right. Now I was doing a bunch of media appearances, you know, on various TV and radio about this news today, as normally happens when there's some big tennis uh, news story. And yeah, there wasn't the one clear pull quote for people to to sort of nail and say, "Well, Serena Williams said this." A lot of them were actually playing the clip of her in press in Toronto yesterday, where she got her first win in 14 months, uh, where she sort of talked about seeing a light at the end of the tunnel and that light represented freedom. And that was kind of the the quote actually, which wasn't even part of this Vogue story that wound up getting the most circulation. It was an audio thing. So maybe it made more sense for those media, but yeah, it, it's interesting to see what she went into and how she frames it and what she says and what she doesn't say um, in here. And there's some interesting things on both fronts. I think, yeah, the Margaret Court thing, actually we can get to that uh now, I guess, because you mentioned it, I might as well. It's one of the things on my agenda here to talk about. Actually, before you do, just on the surprise front, I want to share a quote from that I think really sums up kind of the tennis world's reaction from the always understated and succinct Kaya Kanepi, who was asked about this uh, today after winning uh, via retirement against Naomi Osaka today in Toronto. She was asked, uh, is she a player who's inspired you in the past? And just what was your reaction when you saw the news? And Kaya said, I took it very calmly. Because, you know, players, they retire in a certain age. I think it's normal. Full quote. Kaya <laughs> Kineffi. Kaya quote Machine Kineppy. Uh, in, uh in, in classic form. Yeah, anyway. So uh, here's what she says about Margaret Court. Uh, she says, there are people who say I'm not the GOAT because I didn't pass Margaret Court's record of 24 Grand Slam titles, which she achieved before the, quote, open era that began in 1968. I'd be lying if I said I didn't want that record. Obviously, I do. But day to day, I'm not. I'm really not thinking about her. If I'm in a Grand Slam final, then yes, I am thinking about that record. Maybe I thought about it too much, and that didn't help. The way I see it, I should have 30-plus Grand Slams. I had my chances after coming back from giving birth. I went from a C-section to a second pulmonary embolism to a Grand Slam final. I played while breastfeeding. I played through postpartum depression, but I didn't get there. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. I didn't show up the way I should have or could have, but I showed up 23 times, and that's fine. Actually, it's extraordinary. But these days, I have to choose between building my tennis resume and building my family. I choose the latter. We'll get more to the family stuff later. That's a big part of this this essay. But uh, yeah, I was, you know, get. I'm sure you get asked about this. I get asked about it. The Margaret Court record, I think, in so many ways, was illusory, and it was a shifting goalpost in a lot of ways. You talk about in your in your uh, piece that she your piece for the Guardian today that she pointed to Steffi Graf, who was the holder of the Pro era record at twenty two Grand Slams, uh, first, and uh, and Margaret Court only sort of came up after, and Serena did embrace and and Mortaglu, also her coach for most of this time, did embrace uh, the chase for twenty four, and it was a very easy narrative, and it was exciting, you know, easy to build stories around, and you know, have to be the quote greatest of all time because that number did exist out there. But I think anybody who, I'm glad Serena said a little of this; she could have said more. I think anybody who sort of appreciates the the history of tennis knows how incredibly not apples to apples eras are uh, from when Margaret Court was playing in the 60s and 70s to now. And in ways that both, uh, both count for and against various different players' marks, right? So Margaret Court was playing. She began her career and began racking up Grand Slam titles before the open era when only... Uh, amateurs were playing this was less of a factor on the women's side than it was on the men's side because very few women were turning professional but it was still a factor and more importantly for Margaret Court she racked up a lot of her titles um, at the Australian Open when it was only a 32 player draw and very few uh, top international players were going there on an annual basis the way they do now so she was playing against a pretty depleted field for many of those many of those wins in Australia I think 11 of her uh, 24 are Australian Open titles and very few of those would have been against a full-strength field. So I think those are important things to note. And I will say also, in the, in the case of uh, two other players who are in the sort of goat conversation, in uh, Martina Navratilova and Chris Evert, they won their 18. They tied at 18. They won their 18 at a time when players were not routinely playing all four Grand Slams in a year. When they weren't making the trip to Australia, they were not Australian. So they were not playing that tournament regularly. Uh, for lots of their career. And also uh, the French Open was uh, a much more minor tournament at that time. And there were several years when peak Chris Evert, who was unbeatable on clay in that time, skipped the French Open to play World Team Tennis instead. And she had contracts with them. So that's just to say that you can't look at these numbers and think they're the be all end all. I think it's gotten very simplified into this being the one currency that always converts uh, in these discussions, but it just doesn't for better and worse. I think you can more or less say apples to apples relatively with Serena and Steffi Graf all the, in terms of the Grand Slams having similar status in those times. Although Steffi Graf had a much shorter career, she retired at 30. So, you know, in terms of density of wins and stuff, there's different things you can value and you can fudge whichever way you want. But yeah, it's, it was interesting to see Serena talk about, you know, admit some disappointment about the the court record. And I got to think, I got to say, I don't know if you feel the same way. I feel like if everything had been the same in her career minus the court record, I kind of think Serena would have walked away when she was pregnant uh, and had just won her twenty third. Uh, it I was showing up in twenty seventeen. I don't think she would have tried to come back. Do you agree?
1: Um, I mean, maybe. I, I think it seems like she just, for whatever reason, her career has just carried on and on, and yeah. you know, she seemed to seem to just found motivation wherever it is. But, but I, I, I mean, I, I agree with your general points, and I guess I'd just say like. Beyond that, growing up following tennis, it was always the open era. The the records that people have always ever spoken about is the open era. It had been drilled into my head that Steffi Graf was, you know, that was the benchmark. And so, so yeah, well, I'd just say that I I don't think that the fact that she she wasn't able to um, equal Margaret Court, I don't think it takes away from her career, really, in any way, and it's not... It has no, I don't know, it has no relevance to how, you know, I I view her career, like obviously that it was just the the final part of her career and kind of the, the relative mental frailty in the big moments is, is a big departure from, you know, her, her prime and I don't know, it's a different, it, it gives a different view to the final part of her career, but I don't think yeah, I just I don't think it has any relevance to how 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 we will see her as a tennis player. You know, as we look back on her career.
0: Yeah, I think that's right, and I I also think you it's interesting what you say about the sort of latter part of her career mental side. One of the most amazing Serena stats, and this is not necessarily anywhere not a priority for this moment conversation, but Serena going into the twenty fifteen U.S. Open had made. Uh, the grand semifinals of a Grand Slam twenty-eight times, and had won the title twenty-one of those twenty-eight times. She was an unbelievable closer, right? And then after that, starting with the Vinci loss, she became a really shaky closer in Grand Slams. I believe after going twenty-one for twenty-eight, I believe she went something like two for ten in the rest of her career yeah. in semifinals, which was a huge, huge departure. And in in those four Grand Slam finals she played. After Coming back, uh, she didn't win a set in any of them, and some of them were pretty lopsided routes against her, really. Almost all of them, I think, were arguably pretty lopsided defeats. Um, so, so that's that's a tough note to end on, but at the same time, I, I hate this notion, I hate this feeling, um, even if that statistic does sort of argue for it, that Serena ended her career sort of with any sort of falling short just because she'd already come so far and was playing with what should have been so much like house money. Like, I, I've said this before on NCR, but. I just sort of resent on her behalf this great feeling that Federer had for so much of his late career because he got the men's all-time slam record pretty early, uh, relatively in his career. He got it in 2009 when he won his 15th Grand Slam. That was to pass Pete Sampras at Wimbledon in 2009. And then the rest of the time, he was just sort of the guy and could be relaxed and just enjoy being Roger Federer, which seems like it was a great deal in life, whereas Serena still played with this sort of sense of weight on her uh, in terms of yeah. this this record hanging over her. Um, and that was frustrating that, you know, there were times where she talked about wanting to not worry about that. And I think sometimes where she believed the other times she didn't, it was sort of an oscillating thing, both in her own mind and in the public's mind. But I, I liked to, in the recent years to try to frame it as her going for her open era record extending 24th Grand Slam. Uh, not yeah. so much yeah. uh, record time. Tr- I'm for Margaret quarter erasure, honestly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've definitely tried framed it like that in, in the past as well.
0: So so one thing that one of the main themes in Serena's article that starts right at the beginning, um, is a notion of family. And she mentions a couple different times. Uh, she says later on in the article, but she says in the last year, Alexis and I have been trying to have another child. And we recently got some information from my doctor that put my mind at ease and made me feel that whenever we're ready, we can add to our family. I definitely don't want to be pregnant again. It's an athlete. I need to be two feet into tennis or two feet out, um, That's that's later. But then she opens up the article, y'all should read it, uh, with sort of an anecdote about Olympia saying she wants to be a big sister. Um, And Serena basically sort of frames it as saying she wants that, too, for Olympia and for herself. And that that means for the end of her career. And she says, believe me, I never wanted to have to choose between tennis and a family. I don't think it's fair. If I were a guy, I wouldn't be writing this because I'd be out there playing and winning while my wife was doing the physical labor of expanding our family. Maybe I'd be more of a Tom Brady if I had that opportunity. Don't get me wrong. I love being a woman and loved every second of being pregnant with Olympia. Uh, And she goes on. And I almost did the impossible. A lot of people don't realize that I was two months pregnant when I won the Australian Open in 2017. But I'm turning 41 this month and something's got to give. I will say that that was the one line. That I didn't buy. Everyone knows Serena was pregnant. You're too much, but you they all straight up in 2017. Yeah. <laughs> it's very clearly part of the mythology of Serena. We all know this. It's it's good for her to mention, and she deserves to remind people of it. But the people don't know this, but uh, people know it, uh, Serena. <laughs> but okay, um, I I'm very sympathetic with this framing, obviously, and you know her first pregnancy with Olympia really did derail a lot of the momentum her career had. Honestly, you know, looking at it objectively. I mean, she'd won two of the last three Grand Slams uh, before that, that pregnancy took her off the tour for a year, and she didn't win any more after it as of yet. Um, so the fact of being a woman is absolutely something that, and, and have, having her own biological children, is something that absolutely did have a profound effect on her career. And we've also seen it, you mentioned you know, Victoria Azarenka as another player who, who had tr- in tremendous momentum in her career that never quite got recovered um, after her pregnancy maternity leave. Um, Kim Kleister's obviously had came in, back and won, but she was much younger than those women. Um, anyway, uh, I think it's inter- I think that's a totally fair point that Serena makes. I'm not sure it's the whole story. I think that it, I think what she didn't talk about at all in the article, and it's one of the things I think she left out, is that when you get older, things get harder. You get, you know, slower, you recover slower from injury. She was out for a year between Wimbledon 2021 and Wimbledon 22, foremost because she had an injury a hamstring injury that she suffered at Wimbledon and was slow to recover from um, and didn't, and also maybe mentally didn't feel ready for it. And then she comes back at Wimbledon, loses first round to Harmony Tan. Like there are other challenges and other inevitabilities of, you know, time being undefeated, as they say, you know, the time was going to be ticking on her career. Like it is on Roger Federer's career. Also on the other side of 40, he just turned 41, I believe. Yeah time was already taking it's not just i think i felt like the article framed it a little bit too narrowly on the purely family side when for all athletes you know there's not a lot of tennis players kicking around north of 40.
1: yeah um uh, i'd say it, it just like following on from that it what one of the part that struck me as well is just how she she very like the details she went into to explain that she hates. She hates the f- she hates that she's retiring. She hates the f- yes. the fact that it's come to this. That was and and the fact that she kind of compared and contrasted it to ashpati and her you know re- retiring at twenty five years old and seeming content with it. Or Her good friend Wasnijaki. Um, and it strikes me also just because just just thinking of I don't know I, I think a lot about uh is this ten years ago actually when. Do you, do you remember when Serena played? Um, I may have mentioned this already, actually, like in the previous podcast. But when when Serena was in, it must have been Brisbane, and she said someone must have asked her like Do you do you love tennis?" And she was like, "I don't love tennis." And then it became this big thing, like it became headlines, uh, you know, around around the world. Like Serena Williams doesn't love tennis, yeah. and I mean, it was it was you know, she was obvious, she was already like thirty one years old, just come back from a you know almost dying. So so clearly that was kind of not the case then but I don't know it just it, it strikes me just how attached she's come attached she's come to this sport and you know you know you mentioned about you know the, the Margaret court record you know being the possibly being the driving force of these last years and I, I'd agree with it but I also just think that she's this is who she is right and and there may have been times when she tried to kind of shy away from it and position herself as oh you know this Tennis is just one one aspect of me, and there's you know I have a million other kind of priorities and passions, but I know it's just just seeing just both the exp- explanation in the the piece and also just the fact that she's out here still at 40 years old, still putting herself through it. You know, she she doubted that she would come back um after her year out. Yet as soon as she got back on the practice court, I mean she you know, it, it drew her back in. I, I don't know, it's just it's just striking to me how, how much, she, you know, how much how deeply she's felt being a tennis player.
0: Yeah, it's interesting also, it's an interesting contrast that I think, because there is some dissonance, right, when you are doing your retirement as a cover story for Vogue, right? You're not, it's not a sports section story. It's not Sports Illustrated. It's not some newspaper sports section. It's not tennis magazine uh racket magazine the wta website wherever you know a lot of other tennis players might announce their retirements um traditionally um this is vogue and it's about the september issue it's about being a transcendent figure in in culture and and fashion and womanhood and these sorts of things but serena is a big old tennis nerd uh you know in so many ways and you you, these it slips out of her occasionally in these sort of things that she does or says, I think of a couple off the top of my head, you know, which lets you know that she was someone who grew up on tennis courts and especially for so much of her, once she moved to Florida, especially as a kid around sort of old salty tennis pros in this very, you know, far, I remember she made the joke one time about saying, you know, oh, that she only comes to the net to shake hands. Yeah. which is a classic sort of like yeah. base slider joke from like probably like the 50s or earlier. God knows how old and that tired that joke is. But Serena told that joke at some press conference because she is an old soul in tennis. And I remember being struck, uh, this is sort of random, but I've told you this story, I'm sure, before. And I don't know if i ever said it on NCR. I remember I was waiting for transport one year at Wimbledon with Milos ranich and Serena came by. And we were just the three of us there. But Serena and Milos started talking about like, All the different, like, people who are getting married, they knew in common that summer. Like, who was going to what wedding and different stuff. And you wouldn't think that, like... Serena and Mila have much in common. They've never really interacted, but they're both part of a very small world in tennis and both very engaged in the who's who and sort of gossip of it. And they had this long conversation about just like tennis minutia. And she's very much someone who in the sort of high school of tennis, and it is that kind of culture in a lot of ways. She's been, she's what, like, I don't know, a 20th year senior at this high school. She's just not fully graduated. And she's, even though she was a part-timer in the sport, for sure, at many parts of her career. Um, especially most recently um, it still defines who she is in a lot of ways. And it's tough to yeah. tough to give that up. Even if you, you know, the question of like loving tennis, I felt like it became kind of an obsession in the media post Agassi memoir. I feel like, like when you say he didn't love tennis, that was one of the big like breaking news headlines from yeah. Oven, um, in a way that gets trotted out with a lot of different athletes with, Ashbardi certainly that conversation happened, it happens with Osaka now repeatedly in terms of the do they need to love it? If she finds her love for the sport, much does it mean? But for Serena, you know, I was reminded of this one of the another sort of cliche um that people say about athletes, is that, you know, athletes die two deaths. You know, it's, it's one of the things that people say. is that they have this sporting life, they have to give up at a certain point, and then they have the rest of their life. But it is the sporting giving that up can feel like a death or something you mourn. And I very much got that feeling from from her in this in this piece. It was something you know that she's not happy about. It's not a, she's not celebrating. She's saying this. Uh, I can, I'll read a passage from her on this. She says, "I've been reluctant to, to admit to myself or anyone else that I have to move on from playing tennis. Alexis, my husband, and I have hardly talked about it. It's like a taboo topic. I can't even have this conversation with my mom and dad. It's like it's not real until you say it out loud. It comes up, I get an uncomfortable lump in my throat and I start to cry. The only person I've really gone there with is my therapist. One thing I'm not going to do is sugarcoat this. I know that a lot of people look forward to retire, are excited about and look forward to retiring, and I really wish I felt that way. Ashley Barty was number one in the world when she left the sport in March, and I believe she really felt ready to move on. Caroline Wozniak, who's one of my best friends, felt a sense of relief when she retired in 2020. Praise to these people, but I'm going to be honest. There is no happiness in this topic for me. I know it's not the usual thing to say, but I feel a great deal of pain. It's the hardest thing I could ever imagine. I hate it. I hate that I have to be at this crossroads. I keep saying to myself, I wish it could be easy for me, but it's not. I'm torn. I don't want it to be over, but at the same time, I'm ready for what's next. I remember joking with Serena, actually, um, when she was at the 2017 French Open, where she wasn't playing. She was pregnant. She was on on maternity leave, and I just saw her in the hallway and sort of offhandedly just said, like, oh, I guess you couldn't stay away, huh? And she looked at me like she really couldn't. She was sort of like she didn't totally know why she was there at the French Open that year, but she just felt compelled to be on this. And yeah, she's a she's a lifer. And she's as much as she tries to put on this presentation of being bigger than tennis. You know, this was her life ever since she was a young, young child. And in a certain part of her, it's all she knows. And she is going to feel a bit of. You know, as much as she's ready, as much as she's other great things going on in her life, I'm sure there will be a bit of—I don't want to say identity crisis, but identity, you know, refinding to define what it means to her once she gives up these these dreams of going for a twenty-fourth Grand Slam of, of being in front of these crowds of having that kind of power and that kind of relevance uh, that she's known for so long.
1: Yeah, and. The, uh... As, as much as I'm sure she'll search for it, she, she'll never be as good... She will probably never be as good at anything as all that she's achieved in this sport, so... Yeah. Yeah, it's... it's I don't know, it's it's just... Yeah, it's... Again, just... When you think about her peers and... You know, she was older than most of the people in, in the Wimbledon Legends, you yeah. know, draw. Legends double... It's, 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 uh, it's, I don't know. It's if, if you'd asked really anyone at the beginning of her her career, who out of Venus, Serena and all of their rivals, who would last the longest? It's almost no one would have, you know, chosen or you know picked Serena or Venus as the ones who would would be here at 40 years old. So yeah, the the long the longevity is kind of crazy. Just if you think about it.
0: It really is. And she's leaving at a time when the tour just looks totally different. And and because she has been a part-timer in large part, and because it's been a time of sort of inconsistency and um, a lot of fluctuation in the game, uh, Serena's never played four of the current top five in the WTA. She's never played Shvantec. She's never played Bedosa. She's never played Contavite, which I'm a little surprised she had not played Contavite. I thought she might have, but I guess Venus yes, played her several times. And she never played Shabur in, in singles. She played with her, uh, but never played against her um and several others in the top 20 she's never played as well including coco golf um notably who i think really wants the chance to play serena i think everybody wants to play serena especially in cincinnati i think cincinnati is the dream place to play serena here <laughs> player in cincinnati <laughs> yeah. low stakes because yeah what do you think it's gonna be like in in new york and what should it be like in new york is as, as uh i feel like we got a preview of this in 2015 when she was going for the the calendar slam i really think that was a huge very serena centric tournament really felt like a coronation event. The the whole poster for the tournament was just a picture of Serena which stuck with me. After every year'd been like a picture of the grounds of the stadium and that year it was just a picture of Serena. Yeah, what do you think it'll it'll be like having uh Serena officially on her way out and
1: I'd say firstly I think that player as you as you I think that players in Cincinnati are probably gonna try and fix their draws or <laughs> <laughs> or tr- try and sabotage their draws to get Serena in the first or second round. Um and in in the US Open. I mean, it's, I think it's going to be a cultural event. I think you're going to see again like a bit like 2015, but 2015 almost on on steroids in like everyone is going to want to be there. There's going to be so much, you know, the spotlight is going to be incredible. You, you saw um John Weather reporting that, you know, the the, the thousands of tickets that have, have been sold just since the at the US Open since the announcement. I think it's going to be the same well, I mean, I think it will be the Cincinnati I, I I'm sure. You know, any any Serena session is gonna just be sought out and and I don't know, it's just gonna be a, a moment I think and and the type of moment that attracts you know, that attracts attention from from everywhere. You know, this is one of the most recognizable athletes in the world, in history really. And this is kind of her, mo- her moment, right? And yeah. I mean I'm I'm also curious if you know, we we one one thing that's been in the back of my mind, but no one no one has really discussed yet yeah, is her sister. I wonder.
0: Yeah, no, Venus is is there. Is this one of the things as I was going to story did not mention. There's not really much mention of going out with Venus or Venus's future or Venus's present in the sport. They might play doubles. It's a big question, I think, for New York. I would love to see that. I, w- I was I saying that even before the sort of 2020 to comeback started for the Williamses, surprisingly, in singles uh we weren't really sure we'd ever see them again honestly but i would have loved to have seen them play doubles at the u.s open together and i would re reaffirm that that wish and hope uh that they do i think it'd be a, a wonderful thing and it'd be a great sort of potential denouement to the singles you know if the singles doesn't go great it's another chance to get back on court and have another positive great low stakes uh experience in some ways uh so all for that hope they play doubles really hope they play doubles um i don't know what venus's future holds She Made her singles back last week in Washington. She lost first round to Rebecca Marino. I think she's playing in Cincinnati, I believe.
1: She lost. She lost to. Oh yeah. I mean, she lost in Toronto. Right, yeah. She lost and in Toronto to Jill Also,
0: yes, you're right. Um, I guess she's playing Cincinnati. I think she is. Maybe she's not.
1: Yeah, I think she is. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, anyway, so yeah, she's another sort of loose thread left in this in this story. At at 42 years old, even older than Serena. Um, but again, like Serena, I think I think Venus with Venus, it's more apparent. Because Venus doesn't seem as stressed a lot of times, but there's just such immense love for the game you still see with Venus. Like Venus, like still is choosing to be out there and is choosing yeah. to keep going, even if for a lot longer for her, and not that long because she made two slam finals in twenty seventeen. Um, but uh, she, you know, keeps going even if I don't think anyone really thinks she has the potential to win another grand slam, honestly. Um, but she's still putting herself in it and out there and, and through it to, to get these goals. Um, yeah. It's going to be, it's to fascinating to see what the US Open is like. I, I hope that she gets to play someone from the sort of top crop. Currently she hasn't played yet. I would like that. I'd like to see her get to play. If not in the first round, maybe like a second or third round. I would love to see her get to play golf. I'd love to see her get to play like Svantec potentially. It uh, would be, also be a, a worthy person for her to potentially play. Uh, you know, I'd like to see. I not that Serena has unfinished business, but there's just things we never got to see too much of, um, that I would be very interested in in seeing. Um, and so we'll see how it how it goes. I yeah, you know, it's going to be an interesting emotional moment for her and for everybody involved in tennis, and like you said, a cultural uh, event in a lot of ways. That's going to be uh, yeah exciting and, and interesting to see. And we've just sort of ill prepared for it. There's been so few. This is by far the biggest retirement uh, in tennis in you know, decades since uh, Sampras or Graf uh, it would be um, in the sport, probably bigger than those even. Um, but certainly in our careers, I mean, so many careers have just been endless. You know, Federer yeah. is still here. Venus is still here. Serena is was still here indefinitely until now. Nadal is still here. These are all players who were, you know, were winning Grand Slams when I was in high school, just about. Or Nadal won it maybe a couple of weeks after I graduated. The French Open, but uh, yeah, he's uh, these are have been slow to turn the page in tennis. It's been a lot of story written on this one page, and now finally, that's uh, that's coming. Uh, any other any other thoughts on on anything Serena oh, or, or I, on this news?
1: Um, well, firstly, I liked your quest, your question on Twitter. So, um, oh yeah, so
0: let's, let's we can play that game. So what are your so what's your first memory of yeah. Serena? And what's your favorite Serena memory? I don't, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to also complicate this question. I'm going to say for, since we have a unique sort of perspective on this favorite Serena memory, just watching and then favorite one with her in person, something you were actually there for, whether it was press or something you saw in person with her. Maybe two different parts of that question.
1: My, my first memory of Serena is, is probably, I mean, I want to say like, I think it was probably 1999 years open. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so. It might, it might have been. It's probably before that, but that's like the first one I remember because you know I, I was young. But I also like my, so my strongest memory of Serena from when I was younger was the actually the two thousand and two, like a, a bit later, two thousand and two, when in you know in the middle of the Serena Slam, and uh, <laughs> I would, I I mean I taped every all tennis and I would watch like that final Venus and Serena just. But, you know, constantly on on my VHS tape. Um, and, and my favorite memory, it might actually, like, it's, I might be taking your...
0: Well, I'll t- say taking, my first one while you're thinking yeah, about that, taking, if, you're, if you're deliberating. So yeah, okay. my first one, and I said this on Twitter already, but um, my first one, I remember, I really sort of fell in love with tennis, women's tennis, I guess, specifically, and Williams tennis, even more specifically than that, during the 97 US Open, when Venus was making her march to the final. Of the U.S. Open and beat. I definitely watched the Spurlea semi-final semifinal, um, which was a very dramatic three-set, third-set tiebreak win for Venus to make the final. As a teenager, you know she was just like a kid. You know, even though she's probably what, seven, six, seven years older than me, um, still felt like another sort of kid, and she had this very youthful energy about her at seventeen. Um, and I remember the commentators just sort of cutting to the, you know, the camera showing the the women in the box. And the commentators just sort of mentioned, and you saw like another, you know set of braids or beads uh, in the, in the box and who look, you know, sort of like Venus hair wise, honestly from distance. And I'm saying like, oh, and there's Serena. She's, she's her younger sister. She plays tennis too. Like it was sort of, she was just like purely an afterthought in the Venus story. And I think actually the King Richard movie does a really good job of, of setting, making that clear about how much the show was the Venus Williams show in, in the mid nineties and how Serena was really in Venus's shadow until she broke out with some major, major results of her own, um, to sort of make a name for herself, in some ways. But before that, it was she was a Venus Shadow, and she mentions that in the in the essay that it was you know she learned a lot from being a Venus Shadow and was driven by that, and that goes all the way back to childhood, you know, in terms of being motivated. And we see this a bunch in sports with younger siblings turning out to be the better ones, um, and being just sort of hungrier. Uh, and and I think Serena never really lost that younger sibling hunger in some core way. So that's my that's my first summary of Serena. Set. Yeah, just seeing her in the stands. Even when I first saw her actually swinging a racket, I'm less clear on, but I definitely remember seeing her in the stands.
1: Yeah, um, and I'd say my, my so, so I think my favorite memory is actually probably an, an early one as well, when she came back from Clyster's uh, against Clyster's yeah. in two, the two thousand and three Australian Open when she was going for the Serena Slam, the first one, and she was down five one in the third set, and I just it's obviously in Australia, so it, it was you know it was like early, early hours of the morning, a time that I shouldn't have been up, you know, I was was way too young to be up at that time. And I was watching with my mum and, and she just, when it was like 5-1, she, she went to bed and I was like, (laughs) I'm not going to bed. And I don't know, I just, you know, she she was at that point where she was so, it just seemed unbeatable that, you know, even when she was down 5-1, you just kind of expect that that's it, it won't stay that way and and you know lo and behold she recovered and won that match and then beat Venus in the final and yeah. you know kind of the rest is history and, my, and I'd, I'd say like my, my, go on you go
0: well I'll do that category I haven't actually won earlier that's actually weirdly not of me actually watching her directly but 2005 um I Australian Open against Sharapova um my family did not have cable at that point during the school year. I think my dad thought it was too much of a distraction. And so he like disconnected our cable during the school year. Um, so I didn't have, I couldn't watch this match live, but I had a friend uh, rails who I hope is listening to this. Who's still, still a huge Serena fan. And actually he was the one who messaged me that I saw before anything talking about push notifications about Serena's news today. Um, and so he was watching on his TV at home and he was, and I was watching the live scores on the Australian open website. And he was like live texting me, Updates on the actual what was actually happening in this match, uh, just on AOL Instant Messenger, for like two hours of uh, you know or whatever this match took. Of <laughs> Nine seven and third against Serena. Me watching the, the the score three times go to match point for Sharapova and and Serena pull it back, and it wasn't until you know months I don't know when I would have ever seen actual footage of that match in full. But I wound up getting a DVD of it on YouTube. Sorry, on eBay because that's what you had to do in the pre YouTube days to see footage you had to buy DVDs of matches. So I bought a DVD of the Sharapova Serena match and several other uh, Serena matches, um, and a few other different things. Uh, And and yeah, that was uh, that was my first memory, one of my strongest early memories of being really invested in a Serena result was uh, was yeah Rails texting me or live updating me these matches and or updates and yeah. And then I went to his house to watch the uh, the final on the weekend against uh, Lindsay Davenport, which uh, Serena won. Pretty Davenport kind of tanked that match in the second half. It was a weird final. Um, but yes, Serena yeah. won that.
1: It was like six six love six one in the third or something. I think it was yeah. like I want to it say it was like one two, side of the six,
0: side. six, three, six love. I think it was something yeah. like that. Like the final something set like was that. a bagel. It was kind yeah. of listless. Um, I don't know what, if Davenport some sort of injury. I don't mean to slight Davenport from uh, seventeen years ago, but it was a lackluster finish. But anyway, Serena won that and and then you know the one I listed on Twitter was staying. You know. I would schedule my classes at the University of Michigan uh, to have no early morning classes at all during the winter semester um, so I could stay up late and watch Australian Open. And yeah, the, her run in 2007 was unbelievable, including how she was just Crazy. about... I mean, from the beginning, I, That's the more, I think it's the only... I was thinking about it today, it was the only tournament where I could name every single person someone played on route to a slam. I remember all those matches. She played Mara Santangelo first, and then she played uh, Anna Kremer and then she played uh, Nadia Petrova in the third round. And Petrova was beating her routinely. It was 6-1, 5-3, and just not a very competitive match against, I think Petrova was the five seed, I believe, at that tournament, which is, you know, handling 81st-ranked Serena pretty routinely. And then Serena dug back. And that really was, I think, so much of the Serena myth-making is really from that 2007 Australian Open tournament. That was the fairy tale tournament for her, where she came back and won that, then she won a, a very tough two-setter against a pretty informed Elena Yankovic in the fourth round. Uh, then she saved a match point uh, against Shahar Pair, or at least surf, it was close to... Uh, ve- that was weirdly the match she almost lost was against Shahar Pair in the quarterfinals. Yeah. And then she beat uh Sova in the semis. It was interesting. Absolutely. I was listening recently to a podcast, which Michael Joyce did um, with Kamal Murray on the Tennis.com podcast. And he was talking about this 2007 Australian Open and saying... I think Serena must... I think Sharapova... He was coaching Sharapova. I think Sharapova must have played the first semifinal that day against Kleister's, And um, he was saying... Someone asked him, like, who would you rather face in this in the final? Serena or Vitasova? And he was saying, based on, you know, current form, I'd rather face Serena. Like, Serena was ranked 81st. She wasn't in shape. She was, you know, the less scary opponent than Um, uh, which, you know, is one of those things that would now be called a freezing cold take or something. But... Uh, Serena was not, you know, with someone Sherifova was two and two against. It wasn't, you know, at all a foregone conclusion. And then the way that Serena stepped up and absolutely murdered Sherifova in that final. And just she and never mm-hmm. recovered, you know, the 17 and whatever, the 17 losses that followed in a row. And, and they were not all beat down. Some of the matches were competitive for sure in the 17 or whatever in a row. But it just that match was a an absolute shockwave through the system, and how Serena started that match, especially going up five love or something in the first set very quickly, it was a uh, changed yeah. the course of women's tennis. So that that's sort of the most emphatic yeah. uh, Serena uh, moment for me. And and, I'd,
1: I'd, and I'd say like I, I think some people don't really get how you know like when you look back on Serena's career, career and you see that in the context of of all the other wins over sharp over, you know, yeah. you can oh you know that that's that's how it is. Whereas that was such an it, that was, cra- you know, it was crazy to watch that unfold. And, you know, it, it and, 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 yeah. Yeah. It yeah. was crazy. As, as you said, like, it, it kind of set the tone for how Serena was viewed in the future.
0: No, so, I remember people, people have gone back and, like, I can specifically say, like, watch, like, footage of the 05 comeback by Serena. And, like, used, I think Mary Carillo does the commentary of that match for, for ESPN on the footage uh, of that. And sort of people say when she was, like, saying, like, oh, Sharapova's, you know, got Serena's numbers. She's just been the better player out there. Like, yes, those things age poorly when you have twenty twenty hindsight. But in the moment, you know, it seemed like it was the torch that was being passed, you know, from Serena to Sharapova in terms of, because no one expected uh, Serena's reign to last into the 2020s. That's crazy. Like, this was in the moment, you know, tennis careers were not this long. Dominance was not this long. Um, and obviously Serena for her, won her last Grand Slam in 2017, so it wasn't like dominant the whole way through, but, you know, she, no one had any right to expect what Serena wound up doing in different ch- chapters of her career. And we can, you know, we'll probably do some other Serena retrospective episodes, um, as, as her career wraps up here. But, you know, looking at what she did, um, in the sort of the weird middle years and obviously different things going on with her family and Yatunda's death, uh, around this time when she was having some of her worst results wise uh, between those Australian open titles in 03, 05 and 07 um, and Wimbledon in there as well. Um, and uh, yeah. And then, you know, sort of having the re you know, getting her foot injured when she was peaking again uh, or stepping on the glass and, and cutting her foot and then uh, coming of the Renaissance with, with Patrick in terms of really ramping up and playing a very full-time schedule again and having a lot of racking up slam wins and share wins at a furious pace. Suddenly, Um, just really put her in the, in the sort of goat numbers mix meaningfully for the first time, uh, in her thirties. Um, yeah, you know, there's, there's a lot of different chapters and interesting moments. And even it's interesting to sort of look back with some, now that we have a sense of closure and then this is what we get out of this announcement probably is is a closure, um, for Serena's career, get a sense of, of when that's going to wrap up. And, um, and it's nice that she can in some ways do it on her own terms, uh, and pre-announce this and that's, that's positive um but yeah it'll be interesting to see how history sort of assesses you know her post, let's say like you know olympia years like how how much was that all a win how much was that disappointing that it does yeah it's interesting interesting conversations to have
1: yeah and and, and that's a good point about her being able to announce it on her terms and on the court especially when you compare what her you know her fellow well now 41 year old you know her her age mate Federer and and how you know Mm -hmm. he's spent most of the last couple of years just working towards you know being fit enough to 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 play and decide when to stop so yeah it's it's that's definitely something that she or anyone shouldn't should take shouldn't take for granted
0: yeah Federer and and Murray and at even, have had a bunch of surgeries that they needed to prolong their careers, right? Serena, as far as we know, has not done that, really. She has not had a major injury in this stage of her career that's required, I think I'm right about that, right, that's required an operation. Uh,
1: Like, yeah, like like she's obviously had many injuries over her career, but like in this part of her career, it's, I mean, obviously she had the the hamstring thing, but, you know, that was, the, the break was obviously more than just the injury. But yeah, she, she's here, she's playing, she's, you know, she's she's decided. And I think that's something that is a good thing for her that she's been able to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And but... so we'll put this up hopefully before Serena's second round match in Toronto against Belinda Bencic. Uh, should be a tough one. And, uh, and then she could play Muguruza or Kanepi in the third round if she gets past that. It's going to be interesting just because, you know, you go into, it's, it's actually a bit, Probably probably the best analysis or analogy to it, I think it's probably a little bit like Agassi going out. Agassi went out with, I think he announced it mid-2006. So we kind of knew for months, actually, he was going to be retiring at the U.S. Open. Um, But it's a little bit the same in that, you know, he was clearly past his prime. um, But you just want to see if he had the magic left in him for one more great match. And he had that at the U.S. Open and beating Marcus Bagdadis in a thrilling five-setter. Uh, and then lost pretty meekly in the next round to Benjamin Becker. Um, that's, I kind of feel like, where Serena's at. Like, I don't think anybody doubts that she can... There's almost no match I could think of with Serena that I would look at and say she cannot win this match, this individual single match. But she's I don't know that she can string together a whole tournament, um, but it's going to be fun to watch the ride. And I hope that there are... You know, I hope the ride goes on a while. I hope that it's not a one and done. Yeah. I, I, hope, I hope that we get some... Yeah to enjoy this longer because like just even being at Wimbledon with her, it was, it was, she electrified the place there and it yeah. was, it was yeah, cool sure. having yeah. that, yeah. that moment. I would, would have liked more of it.
1: Yeah. It's, it's yeah. And another thing is, it's funny to, that, to see her playing bench. just because, I don't know if, if you remember when back in the, well, obviously they played the match in 2015 and when she, she faced Benchich the first few times that it was, that in itself seems is striking that she was playing kind of the person to follow Martina Hingis, her great rival. Yet yeah, now, yeah, now, she's playing Benjic in 2022, when Benjic is a 25 year old veteran. Is kind of a veteran the right now, tour, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just—I mean—the amount of time she's she's spent on this spent on this tour is just—you know—there's <laughs> just so many reminders of just how crazy it is that she's still out here.
0: No right, I mean she's played both Nuria paritzas Diaz and Arancha Sanchez Vicario. I mean who does that? <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. like she's <laughs> she's spanned a lot of generations and a lot of time and uh, made a lot of memories for people. Um, so hopefully people can keep sharing theirs and we'll hear more stories, you know, from her her peers and from other people in the sport. I'm sure hopefully you know more sort of interesting behind the scenes stories or things we didn't know about her career, different moments would we'll be hopefully those things come out in interesting ways and. It's uh, just a time to sort of yeah to to celebrate uh what she's done for the sport. Um not saying, you know, everything has to be celebratory and there's I've gotten plenty of people who you know sort of trolling in my what's your favorite Serena moment and they're like when she got defaulted for, you know, trying to shove a ball down somebody's throat like okay I get it. Yes, I know. I am aware that she uh, has had many uh and she alludes to this in the article too, but you know, many sort of, you know, flaws or stumbles or missteps or whatever it may be and those are all fair to point out. Um but uh yeah, for this moment, focusing on the on the positives because she has been an incredibly impactful, meaningful uh, player. And yeah, and actually, it's interesting. I don't know if she did press or not in Toronto, but I wanted to hear what Naomi Osaka had to say because Naomi was up there filming Serena's walk on uh, in her first round match.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah,
0: There's still some big Serena fans on the tour, uh, in, in Naomi and Coco, I think, especially. Um, it'd be nice to see. Uh, yeah. yeah, one of them would be an interesting last match for sure as well, um, if we could choose i think that's oh, you would God, choose yeah. one of those two um
1: yeah
0: might be too much with Naomi with you as so it might be a little too much but uh <laughs> yeah it, yeah maybe maybe, maybe cincinnati coco, coco can do it. yeah <laughs> everyone, everyone wants the low-stakes cincinnati serena match that's the trick. Yeah. <laughs> all right tumati all uh spain and sub-saharan Africa correspondent for ncr thank you very much
1: thank you
0: and thank you guys for listening bye folks
1: where?